just as I am. Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. You can also visit The Gospel Saves on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And Welcome back. Victoria Osteen, wife of Joel Osteen, once said, I just want to encourage every one of us to realize when we obey God, we're not doing it for God. I mean, that's one way to look at it. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we are happy. When you come to church, when you worship Him, when you're not doing it for God, really, you're doing it for yourself because that's what makes God happy. God wants me to be happy. I first heard this type of reasoning in college, do whatever makes you happy, and it became a guiding light for many people in terms of relationships, changing majors, even changing clothes. And it seems like this may very well be an American obsession. It's something that is even enshrined in our Declaration of Independence, that we are entitled to happiness. But what this rationale really does is it gives us an excuse. It allows us to pursue our own pleasures, and it gives us an easy out when we find ourselves in a painful situation. Should our personal happiness be a decisive factor in our decision-making as Christians? One of the problems I see with the idea God wants me to be happy is it encourages selfishness. Why is my happiness more important than the happiness of other people? You know, the world cannot be equally agreeable to everyone. If a man traveling in one direction on a journey is going downhill, a man traveling on the same hill going in the opposite direction is having a very different experience. It's the same hill, but they're very different experiences. You may find yourself relieved of a painful situation by making a certain choice only to create a more painful scenario for someone else. If we cause another person pain in order to relieve our own pain and to find happiness, how are we following the Lord? Where is the attitude and spirit of Christ in that? In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 4, Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Christ did not pursue his own happiness. He carried the burdens, the sins, the sorrows, the pain of others all the way to the cross. So one problem I see with the notion God wants me to be happy is it encourages us to place our own happiness above the happiness of other people, to take into concern first my own personal well-being and happiness. This is not the attitude of Jesus, who bore the pain, who bore the sorrows of other people, who helped carry our burdens. That's the proper attitude for the Christian. Another problem I see with the notion God wants me to be happy 
is it's only concerned with the moment. Long-term implications are never taken into consideration. For example, consider the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. He demands his inheritance early. He uses his inheritance to pursue his own degree of happiness, only to find at the end the money runs out and he comes to his senses while he's eating among the swine. One of the very useful lessons we can draw from the parable of the prodigal son is that if we pursue happiness, if we make that our objective in life, what lies at the end is a sense of meaninglessness. We're unfulfilled. We don't find all the pleasure we thought we would find at the end of the day. If we avoid pain to pursue pleasure, in the end, we will only find the problem of pleasure. This is what Solomon talks about in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He talks about pursuing his own personal happiness and how empty and vain it is. So in pursuing happiness, we have a short-term goal in mind. We're concerned with the moment, but we don't think about what the long-term implications might be. Which leads me to another concern I have for the, the pursuit of happiness, for thinking that God just wants me to be happy. We don't often take into consideration the collateral damage that our decisions might inflict on other people. In the last episode, I talked about the dangers of believing that we're saved by our sincerity. And in that, I quoted from a woman who said, I'm leaving my husband and our two small children. I know what the Bible says, but God knows my heart. He just wants me to be happy. It's quite a statement. But this woman, unfortunately, is not taking into consideration the collateral damage her pursuit of happiness is going to inflict, not just on her husband, but on her children. Back in 1999, Sesame Street aired an episode of Kermit the Frog interviewing a little bird about where she lived. She told Kermit the Frog that she split time between her dad's nest and her mommy's nest. Her conclusion was, they both love me, and she ran merrily off to play. What this little skit portrays is divorce is just a minor little upheaval and a normal occurrence in the lives of children and adults. But this is far from the truth. This is not a reflection of reality. In her book, The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce, Judith Wallerston, a family psychologist, chronicles how she spent 25 years following the children of divorced parents into adulthood. Now, the conventional wisdom that's been around for as long as I can remember is that divorce helps the kids. Well, she turns that whole notion on its head. Her findings reveal that the greatest effects of divorce don't emerge until the children are adults. She exposes the lies that divorce is okay for kids. It'll make their lives easier. It will ease things. No, it does not. Divorce carries with it a lot of collateral damage. But people divorce each other out of the need to be happy, and they justify it by saying things to themselves like, well, God wants me to be happy, 
And if I'm happy, that means my, my kids will be better off, so this must be a good thing, without taking into consideration the long-term implications and the collateral damage that their decision might inflict on other people. The final concern I have about the notion God wants me to be happy is it misunderstands the nature of God. What it seems we're looking for in this world, or what a lot of people are looking for, is an Epicurean God, a God that is only concerned with our comfort. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, observed this 80 years ago. He said, What would really satisfy us would be a God who said of anything we happen to like doing, what does it matter so long as they are contented? We want, in fact, not so much a father in heaven as a grandfather in heaven, a senile benevolence who, as they say, like to see young people enjoying themselves, and whose plan for the universe was simply that it might be truly said at the end of each day, a good time was had by all. This is such an excellent observation. And C.S. Lewis is exactly right. We're not interested, or a lot of people aren't interested, in having a father in heaven. They'd more like to have a grandfather in heaven. And that's no criticism of grandparents, because it's a real joy to have grandparents and to have your children experience having grandparents. But being a grandparent is different. It's different in its responsibilities from being a parent. Now, some people might be thinking to themselves, well, God is love. Doesn't a father want his children to be happy? Well, remember, love is more than just kindness. One can be kind, but in being kind, they can be quite unloving. Perhaps you've had the experience where you've interacted with someone who's been polite, but they've been dismissive or indifferent toward you. There is a kindness that does not care about the character of a person or the rightness of their actions. It is only concerned that the person escapes suffering. So we might think we're being kind by helping rescue someone from a painful situation when in actuality that may be the very thing they need in order to learn an important lesson. If God is love, he is by definition something more than mere kindness. And happiness is not synonymous with what is in one's best interest. We may be sinning in order to achieve our happiness. Does God want us to be happy or holy? Sometimes we go through painful situations because they are exactly what we need. They're exactly what we need to grow, to mature, to become more Christ-like in our character. So sometimes suffering is precisely what is in our best interest. Now, that might seem like a cruel or an uh, unkind point of view, but just think about this. The pain that we suffer might be for a consequence for our actions. Paul talks about, in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, how there are consequences that tie directly back to our decisions, our choices. If we choose what is good, we're sowing to the Spirit. And what is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. So we choose to do good, and there are benefits, there are blessings, there's the fruit of the Spirit that comes out as a result in our life. But if we choose sin, what awaits? 
Well, consequences. Consequences. And sometimes we have to be disciplined by God in order to learn our lesson. This is what the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Those times are not joyful, as he says. It's not joyful to go through a time of chastening, but it brings forth the the fruit of righteousness in the one who allows themselves to be trained by it. So there is good that comes from learning these painful lessons. This is what Paul noted in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He learned that this thorn in the flesh was actually for his good, even though it was painful, even though it was inconvenient, even though he suffered, he realized that it was teaching him a valuable lesson. The Lord says to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this whole notion, God wants me to be happy, misunderstands the nature of God that God is more concerned with our holiness than He is with our happiness, that perhaps the pain we're experiencing is teaching us a valuable lesson. It's helping us to become more than we were before. So running away from the pain in order to pursue happiness may be the absolute worst thing for us. Maybe this is exactly what we need. God does want us to find joy. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Peter talks about a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. Jesus wants us to know full joy. But joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is temporary. It's fleeting. Joy is abiding. It sticks with us. It's for eternity. It cannot be put into words. And I think what you will find is if you will endure your time of testing, if you will push through it and learn the lessons that God intends for you, what you will find at the end is not happiness. What you will discover is true Christian joy. Thanks for listening to the Gospel Saves podcast. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find Acapeldridge on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know His perfect will.